Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, good evening. Happy Monday. I'm Dr. Gina, and welcome to Primetime. Today is President's Day, and earlier today, I attended a Trump rally. Yep, Trump rallies still happening. Still haven't heard of any Biden rallies happening anywhere out there, or we will go cover them on Real America's Voice. You can count on that. But today, thousands of Trump supporters gathered here in West Palm Beach, right along Southern Boulevard. That's the road that President Trump travels between Mar-a-Lago Club and his other properties in West Palm Beach and in Jupiter, Florida. So patriots will sometimes gather along that road, hoping to get a glimpse of him as he passes by and to just let him know that they still support him. You'll see random Trump people gathered there any day of the week. A flyer was circulated asking people to gather for today, President's Day, and thousands showed up to support their favorite president on President's Day. Willie, you have been, um, you've been organizing these things for a long, long time. The support really hasn't wavered. You know, it's amazing. Like I was telling you earlier, Gina, there was 15 different foreign countries that have called me over the past five weeks. I did 55 interviews in six days, and they're all asking the same question. Why is it that Trump supporters are still coming out here after the November 3rd, you know, election, knowing that he lost? I said, no, he didn't lose. They stole it from us. So that's the thing that the German um, television network is putting out, a six-minute documentary that's coming out today, and it's called what makes Trump supporters tick and is exactly why we have 1,200 people out here today on Monday on Real President's Day. And do you think there are uh, rallies for 1,200 people happening for Joe Biden today anywhere? 600 people? 300 people? I don't think Joe Biden's had more than 50 people at any given rally when he was running after even the inauguration. I think they had fake people out there in the audience. So I've been uh, hundreds of Trump rallies. I'm in charge of all the Trump rallies in Palm Beach County from Boca all the way to Jupiter. I still run Trump Corner every Friday and it's on PJN Military. Leading up to the election, the last three Fridays in the November 2nd, we had 1,400 people there on Trump Corner for two hours. It was incredible, and he knows all about it, and so does Scavino. But if, but if, if Joe Biden won by the largest margin and the largest amount of votes ever in history, more than Obama, more than Donald Trump, then how come there aren't rallies like this for him? Because he knows that 140 million Americans voted for the November 3rd election. They said Trump got 74 million. They said Sleepy Joe got 80 million. 80, 80 and 74 million adds up to 154 million. Where did the other 14 million go? A third grader could say, hold on a second, there's something wrong with the math here. Joe Biden knows that there's something wrong with the math, with the elections and the entire fraud. They stole the election from us. Math indeed. The rally today is really a reminder of math. We do a lot of math and science on this show that the lamestream media and the Marxists out there don't like to be reminded of. But if 80 million people really voted for Joe Biden, 
I'm still waiting to see a rally for him. Just one? Anywhere? Seems like so much of what happens today in politics is a distraction from what exactly you're witnessing right here on the show today. I think there are a lot of people who don't want you to realize that thousands of people turn out on a hot day on the black asphalt in southern Florida to tell a man who was president, doesn't have the power to do anything for them today, that they still want him to run again, that they still love him, that they haven't forgotten what he did for them, and that they're not going anywhere as long as he doesn't go anywhere. A couple of interesting things happened today that I want to tell you about. Uh, one is that I left my purse, and it's one of my better purses. I'm just going to put it like that. I left it sitting on a sidewalk, um, and, and then we picked up all of our stuff to move to a different location, and we kind of scoped out where we wanted to go, and we walked away. We crossed a major intersection, walked all the way up the sidewalk, up the hill, set up all of the equipment, got ready to go, began to broadcast, and then... <laughs> as I will often do, my family will tell you, I'm like, oh, where's my purse? And I said to my producer, run. I left my purse sitting back on the sidewalk underneath that first tree where we stopped to scope our location. So he ran as fast as he could back to get it. And I'm not gonna lie, I did say a little prayer. I did. Um, but amidst hundreds or even thousands of patriots walking the same direction on their way to the rally, there was my purse perfectly fine. And I did say a little prayer, but part of me kind of knew that it was going to be right there, right there. And that's so emblematic of a Trump rally uh, because I've been to so many Trump rallies. And I can just tell you that there's never litter. There's never a crime. There's never anything that goes awry. It's just people helping people, stepping aside so people can get through to see the president when he's there or offering one another drinks or food or flags if they don't have them. That happened to me twice today. I ended up with, actually I think I ended up with two flags that weren't even mine and I bought one. Um, but that's why so much of the things that went down in news reports regarding January 6th just didn't add up. They just didn't make sense to those of us who've been there and they've seen we've seen the, the generosity, just the nicest people that you could ever know. And there was one point today where a uh, where a, a fire truck pulled up and then there was a whole bunch of kind of federal looking agents that pulled up and people started getting real suspicious like, wow, is something going down? Are we going to be set up here? And some people were thinking maybe it's time to leave. But there were sharpshooters on the roof, which meant probably that the president was getting ready to come down the street. So I decided to stay. Some people may have left, but people were concerned. This, this started to feel like something was getting ready to go down. And, um, and it turns out that there was someone who had to be brought out of one of the buildings behind us in a stretcher. It had nothing at all to do with the rally. There was someone in a store that, you know, had obviously went down. Who knows what it was? Said a little prayer for them and hope that everything will be all right. But um, and that's, that's what ended up happening is they had to get cars in and, you know, um, first responders in and out of the little strip mall behind us um, to, to take care of that patient. Um, but it is, it is fascinating to watch the psychology, and, you know, that's what I studied my whole life. And, uh, and, and just that a purse could sit there on a sidewalk. I would, I would challenge you to find an event where you could leave a purse like mine today sitting there on a sidewalk with hundreds and hundreds of people filing past it on their way to any event aside from a Trump rally and pretty much know that you could send someone back after it and it would still be sitting there after that much time. 
Also, I wanted to tell you, a plane went over with a banner that read, Happy President's Day, Donald Trump, best president ever, I think is what it said. It was something right along those lines. Patriots obviously got together, paid this plane to fly this banner, you know, along behind it, waving proudly. And it was very visible. Uh, I know it was visible at Mar-a-Lago. It was probably visible if the president was golfing today. I'm not sure. Um, but the crowd went absolutely wild with they saw it as well. So it was just fascinating, an interesting day filled with all sorts of expressions of patriotism and love in ways that I haven't seen for any other politician ever. And so I start to ponder, what is it about this man's bond with people? It's, it's not about some sort of dictatorship like the media would like to portray it. And I have these conversations often. It's not about that. This is about a relationship. Because Donald Trump isn't really a politician, and he didn't grow government. And you can't have a dictatorship without growing government. You have to have a large centralized government to be able to have a dictatorship, right? Tyran uh, tyrannical governments require a large centralized government. This is about a non-politician who shrunk government. And this is about a bond that we have seldom seen between people in America and this man who came in from the outside shrunk the size of government, not the way dictatorships are ever done. And it's because Donald Trump himself saw what was going on in our country and committed to our Constitution when he came down that escalator. And he did one other thing, too, that I think is really important. He listened. People knew that Donald Trump, for example, this is just one way, he wasn't completely sold on pro-life issues from the very beginning. He was pro-choice, and he doesn't make... Any, any bones about that? He says from the beginning, you know, he, he was not 100% pro-life. But he sat down and he listened and he had meetings with pro-life people. And he came around on that issue to be the most pro-life president in history. The only one willing to show up on pro-life walks and at pro-life rallies and to take a stand and actually present legislation. Now, we had President Bush and others who ran and said, oh, my gosh, yes, I am so pro-life. And then did absolutely nothing. They were pro-life in name only. You had Donald Trump, who didn't even run. That wasn't even his issue. And then came along and said, you know what? This is what I believe on this. I'm convinced now. And then went in and made a difference in all the right ways. He did the same thing, by the way, on the issue of Down syndrome, which is another issue. Opioids is another one that he listened on. So it's about the way he listened to the American people. And that's what makes it a two-way street and a relationship and not a sycophantish worship of a person. And I think that's really important and I think we need to continue to delineate that, not let somebody lie about what that is, that it is a two-way street. And I saw that again today as he drove down the street in the car, and he could barely contain himself. He wanted to get out of that car as badly as people wanted to run out in the street and just to tell him thank you one more time. Many of those people standing out there on that hot pavement on this hot day in southern Florida have been at every rally within hundreds of miles for the last four and a half to five years. They've greeted his planes. They've waved his, their signs. They've campaigned in every way they know how. And they spend their spare time working and trying to make a living for their family in every way they know while supporting this president. And they'll continue to be at every rally as long as this man continues to be part of the political scene. You hand that off to any other politician in the country. I don't care who it is. I don't care who. I'm hearing a lot of names thrown around. I don't care who it is. Nobody engenders that kind of trust as what Donald Trump has built with the 75 million people who voted for him. And I'm pretty sure he's going to stay on the American scene. And I'm pretty sure he'll be the candidate.
in 2024. I'm pretty sure this guest will age well. Anyway, uh, judging by today and the movement that is behind him, I don't think he's going anywhere. And that's also from conversations that I've had with a lot of people close to him. I've never known anything in my political life like the phenomenon that is Donald J. Trump. And I've been involved in politics since I met my husband when I was 18 years old. I'll be watching for these Biden rally videos to pop up. I want you to send them to me. If you see a Biden rally out there with 300 people, 600 people, thousands of people like the one we saw for Trump today, there were probably others all over the country. I know there were others in Florida for sure. I want you to send them to me and make sure I saw them. I want to see all the Biden rallies today, all the planes that flew with Biden things, all the people that were excited to tell Joe Biden happy President's Day. I want to know all about it. But I'm not going to hold my breath any more than I'll hold my breath for our media to start telling the truth about the Democrats, to start caring for the American people. Because uh, so far, I'm not seeing a lot of that. It was a great day to stand out there and sweat for three hours and see freedom and passion and purpose and patriotism all come together once again in our great nation. Whenever you have a chance to be part of that, something so much bigger than yourself, don't miss it because it's a lot of fun. All right, let's head around America to our hosts and correspondents on the ground. We have uh, in our Denver, Colorado studio, uh, Real America's Voice headquarters. We want to check in with Jessica Rivera. Jessica, what do you have for us today? Well, Dr. Gina, many Americans were happy to hear about former President Donald Trump's acquittal on Saturday. But for a moment there, it looked as though there would be a vote for witnesses to be called in the case. So why didn't it happen? Well, the belief is uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi didn't want to be called as a witness because she had a substantial amount of evidence as the presiding officer on January 6th. Credible information that came from FBI and Capitol Police about threats. But instead of ramping up security at the Capitol for that day, the speaker opted to refuse Capitol Police requests for backup. And she also turned down President Trump's offer of National Guardsmen on numerous occasions. So with the acquittal, are the Democrats over President Trump? Well, it doesn't look like it. As a matter of fact, it looks as though they're going to push for the 14th Amendment, which would bar President Trump from ever being able to hold a public office again. In order for the amendment to be passed, the House would only need a simple majority. But even some Democrat experts are saying it may not be that easy. Take a listen. There is a separate clause in the Constitution which says if you've been an insurrectionist, then the Congress can pass a bill uh, to remove you, to basically bar you from future office holding. It does require only a simple majority, so it is possible to do. However, it may also require a court process to adjudicate. So Dr. Gina, the saga continues. But it does make you wonder, do they really hate President Trump so much, these Democrats, or do they actually fear him? I'm personally convinced it's fear because this is a whole other level of, of obsession that we've never seen, and I don't really see an end in sight. Dr. Gina. Yeah, you know, Jessica, you make a great point. And also, I would love to have seen Nancy Pelosi be a witness because I'd like to know when people like Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi uh, found out that Officer Sicknick indeed was not killed by a Trump supporter. Was it before or after she called for the impeachment? And I'd also like to know um, on what date, at what time did Nancy Pelosi and for that matter, folks like Kamala Harris and others, when did they know? that uh, there were activities planned for January 6th. Was it before January 6th? 
I'd like to hear those sorts of things answered by those two. And I don't think that they want to answer those sorts of questions. And I think that's another part of the reason why we saw things go down the way they did. I'm still hoping in some form, some way, we certainly know we can't count on our federal agencies to do these investigations, but I'm hoping somehow, some way, um, that they will end up being deposed over these matters because I would really like to hear their answers to those two questions. Absolutely, and if we're talking about insurrection, they have proof that our now Vice President Kamala Harris actually uh, funded the bailing out of a couple of the, the rioters during the summer, which one of them ended up going and badly injuring somebody in the streets, and that the person was only out because of that bail fund that Harris had actually funded. And, and who exactly is calling for her impeachment? Exactly. Yeah, I think so. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Jessica, crickets. I think so it's crickets. Yeah. We're going to yeah, hear crickets, crickets from that definitely. side. Senator Crickets is calling for that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Thank you, Jessica. Appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Now let's head out to Washington, D.C. To our RAV studios there, Real America's Voice contributor Dylan Johnson. Dylan, the White House press team is off to a rocky start, aren't they? First they have Jin yeah. Saki who kind of can't answer a question, and now they have resignations happening. What's the story, Dylan? Well, Dr. Gina, you talk about Trump rallies. I know you've been to a lot of rallies, I've been to a lot of rallies, and the words promises made, promises kept come to mind. You look at this administration with Joe Biden, and all it is is hypocrisy. And this story, uh, what you have is one of the top White House communications officials uh, threatening a political reporter, threatening he's going to destroy her. Well, let's remember, on January 20th, on Joe Biden's first day in office, he says, and I quote, any staffer he finds to demean or be disrespectful to a colleague, he would fire them on the spot. Well, Dr. Gina, was T.J. Ducklow fired on the spot for cause? No. He was given one week suspension, and now we're learning that he's going to be allowed to resign. Uh, this is not the first example. We know this administration to be hypocritical. For months, the president campaigned that he would not uh, he was going to open schools. Now he's saying, well, maybe just for one day a week by the fall. He said he wouldn't ban fracking. One of the first thing he does is ban fracking. Uh, again, you know, if Democrats, if it weren't for double standards, the left would have none at all. It just seems so true. And I think that the American people are watching this and thinking, wow, you know, when do we start to matter? But Dylan, this is a conversation I, I actually uh, talked to some people about this weekend. Does there come a point where we just assume that the left doesn't care what the American people think because they've cut their deals with China and with the media and with big tech and they don't really need the American people anymore? Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, look, the world that the left is living in, compliments of uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and the mainstream media, big tech. I mean, this is a, this is a coordinated effort. Joe Biden's administration, uh, unfortunately, is one of the most powerful ever. He has big tech. Wall Street, uh, the mainstream media, all in cahoots to basically, uh, you know, make their utopia true. And I think this is another example. You have Jay Johnson, one of Obama's former DHS secretaries, this week calling Trump supporters a strand of Americans. It just goes to show that for the left, the only thing they're more scared of than coronavirus is Trump supporters and Donald Trump and the MAGA movement. Well, you know, um, if they are worried about a movement that is not going anywhere and is going to work extremely hard <laughs> to right this ship of our constitutional republic, then they should be scared because that's, that's right. you know, we're not a violent sort. I really, I really believe that. 
Um, but I think that willing to work very hard is something that people should be afraid of because when, when others are willing to outwork you, uh, that's something to fear for sure. Right. Thank you so much. Yeah, for absolutely. Today, I agree. Dylan. Thanks, <laughs> right. Dr. Gina. Uh-huh. Coming up, I will ask Congressman Louis Gomer why Nancy Pelosi threw such a fit over the weekend. And we're going to show you the video. That's right. And we'll be up next with Congressman Louis Gohmert here on Dr. Gina Primetime. Stay where you are. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now, over the weekend, the news was like a roller coaster ride. In fact, I was so glued that I didn't even want to like get to my fun weekend activities, and I had a lot planned. If you had your TV turned off this weekend, uh, well, you missed that President Trump was acquitted in his impeachment trial. But before that, the Democrats and a few Republicans voted to call witnesses and to drag out the impeachment trial for a few weeks. Then they decided that might be a bad idea, and they reversed that decision. Then the vote to acquit the president was not surprising. No one expected Trump to be found guilty of inciting an insurrection against the United States government. But Nancy Pelosi acted like she didn't see it coming at all. Watch her reaction when she was asked if they might censure the president now that impeachment failed. Oh, these cowardly senators who couldn't face up to what the president did and what was at stake for our country are now going to have a chance to give a little slap on the wrist. We censure people for using stationery for the wrong purpose. We don't censure people for inciting insurrection that kills people in the Capitol. She shook. Must be terrible to be that angry all the time. Here to react, a congressman who is a pretty cheerful guy, another happy warrior, unlike Nancy Pelosi, Congressman Louis Gohmert. Congressman, great to see you. I have to say, I've never seen you act like that when you don't get your way. Well, sometimes it is frustrating when the Democrats uh, frustrate justice and frustrate the Constitution. But uh, to correct her, perhaps uh, uh, she throws a hissy fit uh, when, when uh, uh, she's made aware that members of Congress may do what's been done for over 230 years, and that is some may carry a gun on the floor of the House. Uh, it's been done historically, but now she has metal detectors up and has started this abusive $5,000 fine. Uh, not if you don't go through the metal detectors. I did that and complied. But even if you happen to go to the restroom and you come through the speaker's lobby the way she did when she avoided the metal detectors the same day, I got fined. Uh, courts used to call things like that arbitrary and capricious, and I hope they still will. But uh, when she talks about reserving things for censure, uh, they don't censure their own members when they make 
clearly anti-Semitic remarks. They only reserve those kind of things for uh, Republicans. So we're pretty sick of the, the two-tier justice system where Republicans have to meticulously comply with her every whim. And Democrats, uh, we watched one just walk right through, set off the metal detector without the Capitol Police saying anything. And of course, they didn't say anything to her when she came in and avoided the metal detector. So um, as Chris Plant said, if not for double standards, they'd have no standards at all. And that's where we are, unfortunately. We keep hearing that, and I think it's true. And speaking of the security, you know, it's shocking to me that at this point we still have all the, this huge wall around our capital while Joe Biden wants to defund the wall that protects Americans. He wants to keep Americans out of our capital by putting a wall around it. And then he backs that up with these tens of thousands of uh, National Guards members um, all around the capital. Um, at this point, I'm not aware of any clear and present threat on the Capitol whatsoever. So why are taxpayers still footing the bill for this kind of uh, show when there doesn't seem to be any real threat? Well, it, we don't know of any threat. We were told, oh, they need to stick around until the inauguration. And clearly there was no threat to the inauguration. Uh, the Trump supporters were not there. They didn't come. They weren't going to come. Uh, there has been some threat, uh, we're told, from Antifa or BLM. But uh, if there's any other, I'm not aware. But, Gina, it looks like Baghdad, back when some of us would go visit our troops in Iraq, where it's yeah. surrounded, yeah. you've got the razor wire, you've got blockades. Uh, but uh, Pelosi, as I understand it, wants a double fence around. But all we can figure, since they cannot give a reason for keeping that kind of security up, is that they're wanting to, wanting to continue the charade that there is some threat from these evil conservatives who want to follow the Constitution, want clean, fair elections. And uh, so they keep keep the five to 6,000 National Guard troops there and keep talking about the uh, fence being permanent. I was also really disturbed to hear that the president's attorneys were targeted. Their homes and businesses were vandalized. And it's just sad that some people you know, are not allowed to have representation in the court, it seems. I realize that these threats are not new. Folks like you have endured this kind of thing. We all know, uh, you know, uh, some of the terrible things that have happened to, uh, of course, uh, Congressman Solis and, and, uh, and uh, Rand Paul and others, even news media, not above it. We've all been threatened in our own ways. But um, to have the attorneys threatened, and, and the chilling effect that that could have on other teams of attorneys for those of us in, in, in various situations who might need representation, because that's the real intention, is to produce this chilling effect, I think. Um, what do you make of this, and what's the, what's the back-channel word on this? Well, it is. It's all about intimidation. Uh, that's what the Democrat majority uses as their primary tool uh, against Republicans. It's all about intimidation. 
We're threatened with this. We're threatened with fines. We're threatened to lose our committees as they, for the first time in 231 years, did to Marjorie Taylor Greene. There are all kinds of threats as if uh, they're sure they'll be able to control elections in the future in such a way they'll never lose the majority, so they never have to worry about uh, having done unto them as they did unto us. Uh, but I think that day will be coming, and she needs to understand, even if uh, her party's thrown her out by then, uh, that her party is going to suffer because of what she did in being so unreasonable and authoritarian, if not oligarchical. I had a conversation this weekend that was ex especially upsetting to me, and I just wanted to ask you about it. I was, I was, we were talking about how it just seems like, honestly, the Democrats don't care that much what the American people think anymore. That they've really come to a point where they just, what, what matters to the Constitution, to the good of America, even just American popular public opinion doesn't matter anymore. It's almost as if the Democrats have decided if they can't buy it off, cheat their way into it, steal it, or get big tech or media to cover for them, you know, they, they just believe they can do that at every turn, and they don't really need public opinion or the voters anymore. Uh, Congressman, is that really where we are at this point in our history, is that, the, that one of our major parties in this country doesn't need the approval of those who've elected them? Well, yes, that's where we are, because they do control most of the media. They control Hollywood. They... what? what's left. They control uh, the social media. And, uh, you know, I'd reread uh, 1984 in the last few weeks, and it's astounding. You know, in, in that case, Big Brother, or as we have to say on the House floor, Big Sibling, because you can't say brother, sister, mother, father. <laughs> yeah. So Big Sibling created a ministry of truth and what they said was truth was true, whether it was or not. There was no other yeah. truth except what was rewritten. And and I've been reading about that even today, this morning, stories about we need, the Democrats saying we need, in essence, a, a uh, ministry of truth that will write exactly what is truth and nobody can say anything different. This is where they're going. It is outrageous and it would mean the end of any chance of having a republic. Uh, we would not have kept it as, as Ben Franklin warned if we adopt the Democrats policies. It's got to stop and, and clearer heads have got to prevail and we've got to stop this assault on our constitution, our constitutional rights uh, but yeah, yeah. they they just feel like they've got everything going for them, including uh, what they say is truth, and we'll brand anybody a liar that says anything different. So, yeah, they've gotten pretty cocky about it, and it is a dangerous time to be in Congress. And all the, and all the while, they accuse Donald Trump and his supporters of being Nazis and Donald Trump of being some sort of dictator, which is just absolutely the juxtaposition of reality at, as, as best I've ever seen it. Anyway, Congressman Louis Gohmert, thank you for always being the one who's in there fighting on behalf of We the People. We appreciate you. And thank you very much, Gina.
All right. Coming up, the anti-Trump Lincoln Project falling apart before our very eyes. Ryan Gradusky, he has his eyes on them. And he's up next. Stick around. More Dr. Gina Primetime after this. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. And welcome back to Dr. Gina Primetime. Now on Friday, we brought you the breaking news that happened right in the middle of our show that the anti-Trump Lincoln Project's Steve Schmidt resigned amid the Weaver sex scandal. And it's coming to light that the leadership of the people in that organization knew what, exactly what was going on. Here to discuss the guy who has been watching and really breaking all of this news from the very start, Ryan Gerdusky. Ryan, great to have you back on. Uh, give us the latest. Um, so since the weekend, since Steve Schmidt announced he re re uh, was resigning, to make room for more women on their board, which is ironic since their board has emptied out after um, they leaked doxed email or direct messages, rather, of the only female co-founder of the Lincoln Project, um, their Anadot, which is a major um, a major fundraising tool people use to sit there and do credit card uh, fund uh, donations online, uh, seems to have stopped working with them. The website, the website LincolnProject.us, do their donation page has been down uh, for three days now, and it doesn't look like there's any sign of it coming back up. So that's a major hit for them um, as far as getting smaller donations to the Lincoln Project. And so we, we've heard about a lot of resignations over the weekend um, from this project, but um, I'm curious if this is being reported out there in alphabet soup land. Well, CNN and MSNBC still have not done any kind of major broadcasting of it. And a lot of the advisors of the Lincoln Project, people like Michael Steele, for example, are still invited back on to their news programs um, to talk about things like honesty and integrity and are never mentioned in there. Um, Steve Schmidt appeared on the um, on Bill Maher's show, and Bill Maher did not ask him a single question about John Weaver, the sexual harassment claims, um, and, or anything to do with that. He asked about the money situation, where all the money went to the Lincoln Project and to their founders and how much money they received from the organization, but he did not ask about the sexual allegations against John Weaver at all and if he knew anything about it. And remind us the, just the bones of this story, um, because there were... You know, there were young children involved, and this is, this is quite the sexual predator scandal. But just so that people, in case they're not completely familiar, just remind of the basic bones of the story. So one of the co-founders of the Lincoln Project named John Weaver, he reached out to more than 100 to 150 young men over a five-year period, soliciting them for sex in exchange for jobs, internships, mentorships, um, and career advice. Um, these men range from 14 years old, being the youngest, all the way, which is a boy, not a man, but a 14-year-old, all the way up to um, men in their in their mid 20s, 25, 26. Um, mostly, though, college-age men who were trying to get a start in a career in politics and were just looking for, you know, a use, uh, you know, a, some kind of advice. Many of them ended up getting internships at the Lincoln Project, and he was soliciting um, sexual exchanges with Lincoln Project interns. And the Lincoln Project, just to remind everybody, also yes. are the ones who ran the terribly anti-Trump-specific 
um, commercials over and over again that you saw throughout. And actually, I think they're still running. I'm still seeing them uh, now and then on different uh, various places. Um, but um, so, Ryan, what are your what are your predictions as to what becomes of the Lincoln Project itself? Well, people who are still favorable to the Lincoln Project have been putting out tweets and trying to rebrand themselves, saying they're the most success. And Steve Schmidt, even on Bill Maher's show, said they were the most successful super PAC of all time. Now, to remind everybody, they got involved in seven Senate campaigns supporting the Democrats, and they were working to try to get Republicans to vote against President Trump in the general election. Trump, President Trump won, um, I think, six points more with Republicans than he ran in 2016, so they failed at that. And in all seven Senate races, they failed at all those things, too. Um, but this is what the Lincoln Project's entire thing was. It's, it's a grift to try to raise money for them. Um, Rick Wilson, one of the few co-founders who are still a member of the Lincoln Project, he was saying something, something to the extent of being in the office. He said this is going to present generational wealth for his family, um, according to the Amanda Becker article on the 19th. So this was absolutely used as a grift. And I, 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 it's probably getting harder and harder than... Um, for them to continue to run it as a grift, especially if small small dollar donations can't come in. Um, if the billionaires who were originally funding the organization continue to fund them, then they can probably last a little longer. But um, they will they will have a much tougher time to raise the amount of money that they raised last time and continue at the level they were at if they continue at all. All right, Ryan Gerdusky, thanks for keeping all of this information coming at us, and thanks for coming back on the show to update us. Thank you. All right. Now, you won't believe this next story. Let's check out the latest news on the media's favorite person. That is Anthony Fauci. The headline reads like this. Fauci was awarded $1 million Israeli prize for speaking truth to power amid the pandemic. Here to discuss Real America's Voice contributor, Tom Borelli. Tom, tell me this is a joke. <laughs> yeah, I wish it was, Dr. Gina, but unfortunately it's not. It's not a joke at all. It appears a foundation in Israel has given uh, Dr. Fauci a million-dollar uh, door prize, so to speak. And uh, it's really frustrating because I've done some research and I wrote a commentary for Newsmax. And when you really look at it, Fauci's primary job was to defend the United States from pandemics. If you look at some of his congressional testimony, there are words like anticipate and re rapidly respond to emerging and existing threats of, you know, viral or, or bacterial, right? Emerging threat. And that did not happen when the pandemic first hit us. In fact, the New York Post wrote a story that it was trade advisor Peter Navarro had to convince Fauci that President Trump's travel ban to China was the right thing to do. And Fauci continued to downplay the risk up until early March. So, but that was his job. He was supposed to be the sentinel on the wall. And it's amazing in that if that was his job, you would expect him to overreact to a pandemic because that's where the professional and personal risk would be if he was asleep at the switch. And that's exactly what happened. He was asleep at the switch. So I don't know why he was asleep. He might have thought this virus, because the SARS virus was similar to a the other pandemic we had in the early 2000s, and that kind of died out on its own. It wasn't nearly as infectious. He might have relied too much on China and WHO because he had a relationship you know, with scientists in China and, and with people obviously near WHO. 
But thirdly, there's a possibility that Dr. Fauci could have been in denial because some of the funds from his group in NIH, the Allergy and Infectious Disease Area, went to a, a, a nonprofit called Eco Health Alliance, and that money went to the Wuhan lab. So some U.S. money went to the Wuhan lab and w- for the purpose of experimenting on uh, viruses from bats. So I don't know what happened. He doesn't deserve, in my view, a million dollars. And by the way, he's also the highest paid government employee in the United States. He makes more than the president of the United States. All right, uh, Tom, I want to I want to ask you to change of topic a little bit or shift anyway uh, about Governor Cuomo's news conference today. Now, he's still denying that he did anything wrong. As we find out, there were far more nursing home deaths in his state and the people in his office covered it up. Listen to a little of what he had to say today. I understand the public had many questions and concerns and the press had many questions about nursing homes primarily. And I understand that they were not answered quickly enough. And they should have been prioritized and prioritized those requests sooner. I believe that. I understand the reasons. Not providing the information creates the void. The void allowed misinformation and conspiracy. Tom, did he really just say conspiracy? Is he saying... This is a conspiracy to question his almighty COVID numbers? I guess the the theme of our discussion tonight is accountability. Nobody's holding Fauci accountable, clearly. They're now starting, finally, to to, uh, hold uh, Cuomo accountable. But there's no doubt he sent about 9,000 COVID-positive patients into nursing homes knowing that the elderly were the most vulnerable. And what makes this really worse is that President Trump had sent a Navy ship and they had converted the Javits Center to a hospital. And as we know, those inst- those places weren't really used for that, those purposes. There were a lot of empty beds in both the ship right. and at the J- J- Javits Center. So it's really outrageous that he's blaming everybody. He just needs to look in the mirror and take accountability because the buck should stop with him and he should stop complaining. That's exactly right. All right, Tom Borelli, we appreciate you being with us tonight. Thank you so much. Thank you. Coming up, the cancel culture coming for The Bachelor host, Chris Harrison. Chris Harrison, we have Jillian Anderson from The Bachelor up next. Stick around. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know what that means. It means it's time for our Cancel Culture segment here on Dr. Gina Primetime. The headline from People Magazine it reads like this. Bachelor host Chris Harrison, I will be stepping aside for a period of time amid racism controversy. The historic season of The Bachelor should not be marred or overshadowed by my mistakes or diminished by my actions, Chris Chris Harrison said. Did I do that as well as the Democrats' dramatic interpretation? Not a chance. 
So, what did Chris Harrison do to offend everyone? He said to give a little grace to a contestant on the show who had dressed as a Native American at a costume party. You can't make this stuff up. Yep, Grace, not allowed. Here to discuss, she was a contestant on Bachelor Season 19 and on Bachelor in Paradise Season 2, Jillian Anderson. Jillian, thanks for being with us tonight. Well, thanks for having me, Gina. How crazy is this? Yeah, and you know, the, the left is, the left is doing you. a really great job of making it so that the only people who can ever run for office for sure, but the only people who can ever go on shows like The Bachelor or on any reality shows or even have a job in any sort of a televised capacity or even have a job, period, probably, are going to be people who have never taken a position that isn't perfectly in line with everything that the left believes, correct? Well, absolutely correct. And I mean, this situation is insanity on top of insanity. And the Bachelor contestant, um, I think her name was Rachel, she had posted these photos of her at an antebellum party from a sorority party in 2018, and they're calling that racist. And on top of that, the host said, like Chris said, oh, well, hey, let's give her grace. We haven't talked to her. We don't know what, you know, her, how she feels. Let's not jump to conclusions. And that was deemed racist. And thanks to critical race theory, you, with enough create, creativity, you can really find any situation and call it racism. And you can, you can call someone a racist, which is a really strong word, which you shouldn't take lightly because racism is a sin, it's awful, and it's disgusting. But you can call someone a racist, make them feel that guilt, no matter what they did. And again, all you need is a little creativity to figure out how it's racist and use that you know, with politics and anything to, you know, to your narrative if you don't like what, how they think. If you're shutting people down all over. And you are also a reality contestant. I don't think either one of us are woke enough to be on reality TV in 2021. You know, I was thinking about this because there were uh, fraternities and sororities who had their deep roots in the antebellum culture. I know the Kappa Alpha is a fraternity that was on my college campus. I went to some of their parties. <laughs> Does that make me ineligible? Uh, I'm sure some of their parties were antebellum themed. Uh, themed. I don't remember specifically going to any of their antebellum themes, but themed parties. But I can tell you that many of my sorority sisters did innocently. It was an excuse to put on a pretty antebellum dress. Nobody understood that that had anything to do. It was certainly not any sort of advocacy for slavery. There wasn't one person there who thought that slavery was a good idea. And also, there were a lot of black people in that fraternity. I might add. And so it doesn't even make sense. You know, th this kind of just ridiculous drama at this point, Jillian, has gotten so out of hand. At what point do we grow beyond this as a nation? And, as, and at what point do viewers stand up and say, this is just a lot of ludicrousy? I mean, the media has made it so that you are so scared to stand up for yourself. You're so scared to not put, you know, him, her in, in your profile. They have made you know, your moral compass not matter because they're they don't care about your morals they care about when they deem that it's racist and we see so many things like nancy pelosi kneeling all these wrong things that if you don't bow to the leftist ideas you are threatened to be canceled if you don't post a black box you're threatened to be canceled if you don't apologize for your skin color you're going to be threatened to be canceled and people have to wake up and realize that that's a very dangerous thing and they have to also realize where, you know, critical race theory, where it comes from, the dangers of it, and really start looking to just loving each other and looking back to the Bible, thinking about, the, you know, what makes someone, 
unique and special and realize that we are all made in his image and we should love one another and stop putting race in the forefront of everything. Or what if, what if they sat Chris Harrison down and, and, and maybe this contestant and just had a conversation about grace and forgiveness and love and race if they want to in a very loving capacity. Wouldn't that be a better way to end this whole thing? Anyway, Jillian, we're out of time, but um, we are so happy that you came on this show and that, um, and that you're willing to come out and put yourself out there and speak just what you believe, just the truth, just being honest. I appreciate that so much about you, and it means a lot to me that you were on the show tonight. Well, I always love talking to you, Gina. <laughs> Thanks for being here. And uh, thank you so much to all of you for joining me tonight. And thank you to everyone here at your new home for real news. That's RAV, Real America's Voice. Don't forget, live from Studio 6B is up next with Damon and the crew. Hug your children. Love your God. You go boldly now and continue to live the truth. Good night, everybody.